comment he had. He's in Toronto today, and he was asked what Nick Paul brings to his team. His answer, two goals in Game 7 against the Toronto Maple Leafs. What a zinger. Two goals in Game 7. Like, that's poking the bear. Um, let's bring in our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger. Dregs, is there a coach in the NHL that you think is is as witty with his words and, and, and as... You know, we were talking about pokes the bear more than John yeah. Cooper does. No, and but he does it in a respectful and a tactful way, right? Yeah. Um, I I can't think of another coach in the National Hockey League. I'll, I'll include Barry Trotz as being in the NHL, so uh, give him a, uh, maybe a tip of the cap as being most balanced. Like, they never seem to get too rattled. Stuff happens in-game. Emotions take over. You know, yeah, there's some barking at officials from time to time and things like that. But John Cooper is always so well thought out. But it's, it doesn't necessarily feel like he's doing anything in a direct way. Um, poking the bear with the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and acknowledging Nick Paul scored two in Game 7. I suppose, but that's what happened. You know, that's, that's a friendly reminder. Um, and I, I was just talking to Jeff Motter, producer for tonight's game, our studio coverage of the Leafs and, and the Lightning. And I was reminded of something Cooper said recently. And I'm going to paraphrase, but he talked about how difficult it is for teams to get to a place mentally where they, they, they don't chew over a loss. You know, as long as one loss doesn't turn into 10 losses in a row, just get over it. Get to a place where you're mature enough that you, you can do what you need to do to win, not just the regular season in the playoffs. That, to me, was also uh, an example of poking the bear, right? Because he's saying that it took the Tampa Lightning a long time to get to that place. Is Toronto there? Well, we're going to find out. And we're going to find out to varying points of this regular season, then obviously in the playoffs. I don't know if if that's gamesmanship or that is just John Cooper being smart and letting us into the world that he's experienced and been part of as head coach in Tampa Bay. Dregs, you mentioned gamesmanship. Like, I'm genuinely curious. You know, I think players talk. Players are asked often about, you know, the impact of coming and playing in Toronto, and and you know, I think it's kind of well known. Sometimes players kind of. You know, up the ante a bit when they come to Toronto and they they bring their best when they when they play in Toronto. Uh, does the same apply to coaches? Like, do you think coaches kind of up the gamesmanship when when they play in Toronto? Yeah, to some degree, I I, I think so. You know, it, it does feel like the national spotlight is is shining on you, even though you know it's a, a regional game. It's just the the spectacle of the event. Uh, there wouldn't be another market in the National Hockey League that has more media attending. You know, maybe on certain games, you know, you've got a, a full cast in, in Montreal, um, maybe Vancouver to some point. But w- when you're talking about a divisional battle like this one, the history between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, I think that it, it definitely feels special. And any Canadian coach would recognize that as well. Now, I'm not talking about the six other Canadian teams. I'm talking about... You know, Let's use Paul Maurice as head coach of, of the mm. Florida Panthers. Well, obviously, you know, coming into Toronto, going into Winnipeg, those are going to be special events. And there wouldn't be too many coaches in the National Hockey League that don't look at some of the special cities, Toronto and Montreal among them, as being, all right, you know, the, 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 the magnifying glass is on us, so let's make sure to bring our best. 
I'm glad you actually brought up Paul Maurice. Before we get into the Leafs and, and, and all that, we're obviously going to get into tonight's game. I do want to ask you a question about him and, and, and the Florida Panthers and just talk about this division <clears throat> as a whole because, I mean, we knew it was going to be a bit of a gauntlet coming into the year, obviously. But what surprises you more about how things have shaken out up into the Christmas uh, break point of the mm-hmm. season? The fact that the Florida Panthers, um, who are last year's Presidents Trophy winners, are currently yeah. on the outside looking in uh, on a playoff spot or the fact that the Boston Bruins, given all the adversity that they went through this season, are up at the top? That's a tough call. It is. Um, I want to say the, the Florida Panthers' demise here. You know, that was a clear, bold direction change by Billy Zito, the general manager of the Florida Panthers, in, in different ways. Um, you know, the, the trade with the Calgary Flames is obvious. I, I just, I don't think that he thought that the team is going to suffer as mightily as they they have. And then you look at some of the off-ice stuff, right? He had a real good, young, somewhat inexperienced coach in Andrew Burnett, but Burnett had paid his dues as an assistant or an associate coach at the NHL level, had great success last year, and doesn't award him with a head coaching job. Instead, he goes to Paul Maurice because he feels like Paul might be the missing, missing ingredient to bring this group even closer together and push them closer to the ultimate goal. Thus far, it hasn't worked. Um, and I'm not pointing the finger at Paul Maurice. I think that everybody you know, in, in the hockey operations, including the players, have to look in the mirror and try and figure out what's going on there. But they're in a pickle in Florida um, because there's reason to, to have concern with their goaltending, obviously. They extend the young Spencer Knight, and, and he's the goalie of the future, but he has to be the goalie of now. And that's problematic only because you've got a $10 million goalie in Sergei Bobovsky, who it's easy to wonder what his future likes in Florida. And then how do you vision a future outside of Florida because who's taking on that contract? So they, there's a lot of things that surprise me about what's gone on in Florida. And just a quick thought on Boston. The only thing that surprised me about Boston is that they've been able to sustain their dominance, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, they've dropped out of the the league lead on a couple of occasions, but then they find a way to claw back. And how can you not be impressed with the consistency and drive of Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand and David Pasternak, who still doesn't have a contract extension, which boggles my mind, and on and on it goes. So um, probably Boston less surprising than the fall of the Florida Panthers. Dregs, we were talking a lot about uh, Dryden Hunt, Dennis Malgan, huge trade over here in Toronto. Um, what do you know about what went into the deal, and, and where do you think Dryden Hunt fits with the Leafs? Well, Dryden Hunt fits in their bottom six. He's a meat and potatoes player. He's a hardworking guy. He's going to bring energy. Um, fairly basic, and I don't mean that to be critical. It's just he's suited well for the bottom six, probably the fourth line of the trial make loose. We'll have to see. Dennis Mulligan just flat out was a misfit for the Maple Leafs. Um, you know, it, 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 he looked like a player who had to be surrounded by better players, which means he, he needed to play in the top six. He had lots of opportunity in the top six with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and he just couldn't get anything going. Well, if he's not able to stay in your top six, and you don't think he fits in your bottom six, where does he fit? And he doesn't. So this was more about moving out a player that just didn't have a home with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the lineup that Sheldon Keefe puts out there. So how do you change that into a positive? Well, that's the deal that they've made. 
It does, though, create a hole uh, in their lineup among the forwards. So let's see if Cal Yarncroak is, is ready to go. I don't know if Sheldon Keith has spoke yet to acknowledge whether he's in or he's not. But I suspect he's going to get opportunity to, to play in the top six. But this is where it gets even juicier, I think, for many of, many of us in the insider business and in talk radio. You know, I push back at many who insist, well, Toronto should be interested in Bo Horvath, or they should be doing this or that. Um, because I, I still think that they need some help on defense. You know, Connor Timmons was a simple and a small ad, but he's turned out to be a pretty nice ad. Now, yep. let's see how, how things progress through the rest of this year. But now it looks to me like they have a defined need on that left wing, right? So uh, is Kyle Dubas going to go big game hunting? You know, what do you do there? I look at a player like Ryan O'Reilly as being as, as good a fit as you're going to find. But what's going to be the cost? You know, it looks like St. Louis, even though they're playing better, are likely going to have to consider trading either O'Reilly and Tarasenko. I mean, that rumor mill has been churning for a long while. And then we've, we've talked at length about what's going on and what's gone on to this point in Vancouver. So now it seems like, you know, Toronto will be a player in that game of trying to, to add a forward before the deadline. Yeah, I think the Ryan O'Reilly shout is a really good one. But I guess my question then drags um, two parts. What do you think the ask would be for O'Reilly? And two, do you think there are any untouchables um, within the Leafs' kind of prospect core? We're talking about, you know, Topi Niemla, Matthew Nyes, a first-round pick. Like, is there anywhere the Leafs wouldn't go to yeah. acquire Ryan O'Reilly? Well, those three elements <laughs> right. are probably all three, I might want to say. Uh, nice for me is uh, he just they, – they've invested too much in Matthew Nice, even though they've invested nothing. I'm just talking about, you know, the, just the, the, the prospect of what he might turn into. I'd be absolutely shocked if Matthew Nice doesn't sign the contract immediately following his team, you know, season end with the NCAA. Um, so then his future begins with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I, I, I think that there'll have to be some real strong consideration given if, if a first-round pick is uh, you know needed again to make a deal like that happen. But then you have to look at, you know, if Nick Robertson is healthy, when do you cut bait on him? You know, have we seen enough uh, at, at his play at the NHL level to see what his future looks like in Toronto or doesn't look like. And is he an asset that you'd consider parting with? I mean, when you're bringing in bigger pieces, you have to be willing to play that bigger game, right? Yeah. Now, we're, we're also reminded, and I throw out O'Reilly and others have thrown out Horvat, and I mean, go down the list here, but you're reminded of the Nick Foligno situation when he arrived in Toronto, what they had to give up to acquire him. And it wasn't because of a lack of character or want to do something and be more impactful. You know, Foligno just wasn't healthy enough to be the contributing player that Toronto needed him to be. But, you know, there's a lot of time between now and, and March 3rd, the, the trade deadline. 
Well, so speak, let's see if Toronto gets into that mix. It, well, speaking of, I mean, we, we saw obviously the Maple Leafs made a deal. There was that three-way kind of minor trade that was made um, right at the buzzer before the trade freeze last night. But, you know, how much was there, like, did trade chatter pick up at all throughout this week? Do you expect it to pick up again when the freeze gets lifted? And, you know, yeah. who do you think are maybe some of the, the big dominoes that could fall over the next, uh, you know, few weeks or, or month leading up to the deadline? Yeah, look, I'm I'm sure that trade conversations picked up leading up to the roster freeze, um, just because of the obvious, the, the critical calendar date. Um, but do I have a sense that there was anything close? Not really. But normally, what happens, and that's why we always circle around uh, U.S. Thanksgiving, and it relates to the general managers meeting around Hall of Fame weekend, right? And when you get that opportunity to have one-on-one face-to-face conversations, uh, often that, that will spark something. And then that takes you up to the roster freeze, which we're now in. So you revisit some of those conversations. So then, it, hold on a sec here. Yeah, no problem, Dregs. Um, yeah, I had to clear my throat again. Right. Um, that, that then takes you up to probably another checking point in mid-January. And then... Following that, if there's still, it hasn't been any tangible activity, then teams start to kind of claw back a little bit and wait for the prices either to come down or different players to jump into the market before the deadline. Um, From an outsider's perspective, the team that I guess I'm kind of looking at more intensely than others that I feel might be a little bit more... Uh, I don't know what we're active, perhaps, and, and you would be the guy to tell me if I'm accurate or not. But it sounds like potentially the Vancouver Canucks could be one of those teams that you know might be making a lot of phone calls. Patrick Alvine could uh, have a busy buzzer on that cell phone over the next little bit. Do you anticipate them to be you know heavy coming out of this trade freeze, or do you think that they might wait until the deadline? Well, I think they'll be active. I mean, that's a team. We have high on our radar for sure. You know, there's been so much talk about what they're doing up front. Um, but I'm going to throw a name out there that, again, isn't new to trade speculation. Uh, but it's a name that I think is going to generate some interest later in the season leading up to the deadline, and that's Tyler Myers. Mm. You know, he still has some, some time on his contract. But he He's had a real tough time in Vancouver, and he struggled this year. Uh, he's not alone in that defensively. The Vancouver Canucks have been up against it uh, at varying points, and, including very recently. Um, so what would it take for Myers? I'm, I'm in the camp that believes if he gets a fresh start somewhere, he's going to be decent. I, I, I think he still has game left. So then you look at Horvat and you look at Besser. What I know, Mike, is the timeline here is wide open for Patrick Galvey. He will move those players as soon as the freeze lifts, if the right deal is there. And if the right deal isn't there, then as we hear every single year, you know, the general manager who's in seller mode is willing to be patient and wait until the trade deadline. The, the Vancouver Canucks are looking for a young NHL center. They're looking for a young NHL right shot defenseman. And we know they have to clear some cap space. So how all of those kind of elements come together is going to be fascinating to watch. But Vancouver Canucks are right at the top of the page and uh, insider traffic and expected shifts and deals uh, as we go into the new year. 
Dregs, I'm going to switch gears here. Um, you're a human, so you probably watched the World Cup final on Sunday. Uh, Apparently 50% yeah. of the world yeah. is watching that game. Billions, billions. Um, you know who I wonder was watch, if they were watching that game was the people that decide whether or not we're going to see best-on-best best NHL hockey. So, Dregs, I guess yeah. my question is, with the popularity of the World Cup, the immense popularity of that final... Does the yeah. chatter um, around whether a best-on-best best NHL tournament should follow pick up specifically around the World Cup, or are we kind of dreaming that up? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it picks up because I think it's been constant, just amid all the turmoil around the World Cup and, and, and uh, World Cup of hockey now. I'm not talking about World Cup soccer. Uh, and, and everything that's going on with world events, right? You know, Russia and Ukraine is real, and there's still a high level of sensitivity to that, globally speaking, as there should be. And that includes sport. And as Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly talked about uh, during the recent Board of Governors meetings in Florida, there is a sense that some of the other governing parties, uh, and I guess it would end with the IOC, um, opening the door for Russian athletes to return to the Olympic stage. If that were to become official, then I think that that softens things for the NHL, the Players Association, maybe the IIHF, to reconsider, right? Um, but then it's on the other federations that make up the International Hockey Federation to decide whether they're okay with it. Um, big part of the reason why they delayed the World Cup of Hockey is because those federations' message to the NHL, to the IIHF, was um, if Russia is in, we're not playing. That simple. So I think from a North American standpoint, you talk to Austin Matthews, you talk to Connor McDavid, they want best on best. Hockey fans want best on best, but there's still some repair work and healing that needs to happen on, um, you know, just among world events for them to really gain traction on planning and establishing when the next one for sure is going to be. Well, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. It's been way too long, and uh, just watching the World Cup of Soccer and Messi and and the best, literally Messi and Mbappe, two of the best in the world going at it on the world stage, it really just reminded me of how deprived we really have been over the course of the last uh, last six, seven years or so. Uh, Appreciate it, as always, Dregs. Thanks for getting through it. Um, And well, it'll be the last time I speak to you before the holidays. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, enjoy the holidays with you and the family. Yeah, same to you guys. Happy holidays, everybody. All right.